0: and asked me this morning if I was ready for Proverbs. And I said, you know, I have looked forward to it with such anticipation, but now it's here. And I always feel so woefully inadequate when it comes to breaking the Word and sharing uh, the good news of the Gospel and the truths of the Bible. I always begin to tremble a bit as I approach the pulpit. A great pastor of the previous century said that the pulpit is not a prison, it's a palace. And I don't know that I've gotten to the palace yet. It is an awesome responsibility to open the Word of God and share it with you, and I feel that. It's a little bit like baseball. Uh, I always wanted to bat. I loved to bat. I didn't want to be on the bench. I wanted it to be in the box, and uh, and I just looked forward to it, and uh, I enjoyed it every time until I actually got into the box, and then then something switched, and uh, you start worrying about getting hit by a pitch, or you uh, worry about striking out. It's worse than getting hit by a pitch, and. Uh, And I kind of view the pulpit as the batter's box. And so uh, when I get up here, I just uh, want you to know you may not be able to see it, but the knees are shaking a little bit, uh, just like if I were in the batter's box. I love Proverbs. The Lord um, impressed on my heart some years ago that I could devote a short period of time every day to reading at least one chapter in Proverbs every day. And so I began that process some years ago, and I've continued that process, and at first I will tell you that it seemed like, in almost every chapter, it was almost random that, I mean, here would come a verse about fear of the Lord, here would come a verse about wisdom, here would come a verse about interpersonal relationships, here would come a verse about money and how to handle your finances, and here would come a a verse about justice. And for a while, as I went through this cycle of month after month reading the book of Proverbs, for a while, I just I really didn't see the sense of it. And I'm not sure that I fully comprehend it now. I'm pretty, pretty much sure that I don't. But after having gone through it now several years, I will tell you that Proverbs is a treasure house of God's wisdom. And we ignore it at our own peril. I love Proverbs, and I'm excited to uh, to share it with you today. Um, a couple months ago, Ron and I were in Jerusalem. And, and matter of fact, it's the picture on the front of your Proverbs journal. Does everybody have a Proverbs journal? I'm going to make sure everybody's got one. If you don't, there's, there's a box here. There's some in the back. The young men will be glad to help you. But... Uh, in May, we were in Jerusalem, and I, I love the view from this this picture here. This view is taken from, the picture is taken from the Mount of Olives looking down over the Kidron Valley, then back up to the walls of Jerusalem, and this is the eastern gate. We believe this is the gate that Jesus will, will come through after He returns to the Mount of Olives, walks down through the Kidron Valley, and then back up to Jerusalem and um, this was the approximate location of Solomon's temple now we know Jerusalem as the city of David Bethlehem is the town of David Jerusalem is the city of David and if you go to Jerusalem there's actually a small area that is specifically known even more as the city of David but Jerusalem is also the city of Solomon And Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs, so um, we will enjoy our study in Proverbs, and we'll learn from Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word, word that you carefully preserved over thousands of years now just so that we could have it, learn from it, draw closer to you, learn more about how to act with each other and our neighbors. So we thank you for the gift of Proverbs. And I pray, Lord, that we will be found faithful in how we study and administer them and preach them. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Just briefly, I want to say just a few words about the Proverbs journal. You'll take a look at it and then just begin right there. Uh, just right here, JC. There you go. So at the beginning, you've got a note from Brother Ken Tangus and myself. Then there's an essay on the importance of proverbs written by my son Trevin. And then we have proverbs word studies. There are seven different word studies that uh, we have highlighted. And uh, we thank the good people at broadman Holman for sharing this with us and the ability to use this. And then you get to the actual, it's on page 15, you actually get to the Word itself. And you'll notice that we have designed this journal so that you can interact with it uh, on a verse-by-verse basis. We enjoyed the Isaiah journal. We kind of went to school on that, learned a little bit about how to do it. And the problem with the Isaiah Journal, from my perspective, was that it was difficult to interact with it because of the binding and the, the smallness of the page. Well, we have addressed that issue here. You've got plenty of room to write, take notes, and I encourage you to do that. Interact with the Word. Uh, we'll be covering seven Word studies as we, uh, as we look at Proverbs. Uh, we'll be looking at uh, Tavuna which is, uh, means understanding. It's used 19 times in Proverbs, specifically Proverbs 2.2. 2. We'll be studying daat, which is knowledge. The book of Proverbs talks a lot about knowledge. There are 19 references to the Proverbs word study, the word Evil. I was talking to Weston about this, and he said Evil. That means fool. That sounds a lot like evil. And it does. And fools are associated with evil. And that's used 19 times. Then we have two great contrasts. We have takam, which is the wise. The the word wise or wisdom is used throughout Proverbs so many different times. And that contrasts with another word that is interpreted or translated as fool. We actually have two words for fool in proverbs we have that first one ebiel and then we have this one casil which rhymes with ebiel and uh this is the fool who is not necessarily purposefully wicked but just lazy and ignorant and lives his life oblivious to what god is doing for him and with him and hopefully through him then we have another contrast we have yashar which is straight or upright as uh, contrasted to ra'ah, which is to be evil or do evil. So we'll be looking at those seven uh, word studies. But I want you to interact with the Word of God. Uh, That's why we did this notebook style. And I want you to look for patterns. Now I will tell you that after I have been through Proverbs several times, I begin to say, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to highlight every Proverbs that really just strikes me. Because Sam and I have talked about this on multiple occasions. It is so interesting how a verse that you have read over and over down through the years all of a sudden becomes alive to you in the context of what you're going through on that day-to-day basis. And that's how it is in Proverbs. You may have read that proverb many, many times before, But the Lord brings you to that proverb. For example, Proverbs 7. Maybe there's something in Proverbs 7. And today, Proverbs 7, something in that chapter will jump out at you because of the context of what you're going through. So highlight. Feel free to highlight. Um, I, I personally use yellow just to highlight a proverb that jumps out at me. Like I love that proverb that says, Iron sharpens iron. And one friend sharpens another. I love that part. That proverb is marked in yellow. You have these things that run through the book of Proverbs. You have wisdom. You have righteousness. You have the contrast of evil versus the godly. And so when I um, work on, when I see a verse in uh, Proverbs that deals with wisdom or talks about the wise man, I mark it in blue. When I see something that talks about the righteous, I mark it in pink. Sometimes those verses are marked pink, blue, and yellow because it's an outstanding verse that speaks to me and it talks about the righteous and it talks about wisdom. So feel free to interact with the book of Proverbs. And of course, Proverbs is wisdom. Wisdom in Proverbs, written by Solomon, the third king of the United Kingdom. And Solomon had a difficulty, had a difficult line to the throne. He was not the oldest son of David. Amnon was the oldest son of David. And he was murdered by his second son, Absalom. And then there was Adonijah, who thought that he should be king and tried to elevate himself into the kingdom. As David's, faith, um, David's health was failing, Adonijah tried to seize the kingdom. And he had quite a powerful coalition. And he saw his opportunity and he reached out for it. But the Lord wanted Solomon to be the king. He's the third and final king at the United Kingdom until Jesus comes back. And he reigned for approximately 40 years. And he had the awesome privilege of building the temple of David's dreams. David, and we studied this in Sunday school this morning, David said to the Lord, I will build you a house. I want to build you a house. I live in a palace. And the Ark of the Covenant resides in a tent. Something about this picture is not right. And so he told the preacher, Nathan, he said, I want to build a house for the Lord. And Nathan, the preacher, answered before he prayed about it. And he said, that's a good idea. Go ahead and do it. But that night, the Lord came to Nathan and said, go back to David and said, no, you're not the man for the job. You're a man of blood. And you're not going to build me the, the house. But I will make you a house. And that house to this day lives because that's the house that Jesus inhabits. That's the house that uh, will reign. Jesus will reign forever in. So Solomon got to build the temple that David dreamed about. And when Solomon ascended to the throne, God appeared to him in a dream. And said, "What do you want?" And you know that Solomon could have said, "I want to be the richest king who's ever lived." But he didn't say that. He he could have said, "I want to be the most powerful king that has ever reigned." But he didn't say that. He could have said, "I want a time of peace," and who wouldn't want peace? No, he said, "I want wisdom," and God heard his prayer. And granted his prayer. And then he gave him the riches, the power, the peace. He gave all of that to Solomon. So Solomon, widely known as the wisest man who ever lived, began to uh, assemble these proverbs. These short, true, pithy statements that have a ring to them that are kind of easy to remember. He began to collect them because he knew that Wisdom can be boiled down into these statements. But I want you to understand that when it comes to Proverbs, that these are principles, not promises. Principles, not promises. When you look at Proverbs, you must keep this in mind or you'll get confused. And it can actually test your faith. i want to give you three examples that help us understand this concept that... The Proverbs are principles, not promises. Now, probably the one promise that parents hang on to, or the one proverb that parents hang on to in Proverbs, in the hope that it's a promise, is this one. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. As parents, we want our children to obey we want them to go the right way. We want them to live full, meaningful, godly, righteous lives. And so when we read, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it, we look at that and we hang on to that and we say, Oh, that's a promise. So if I can just train them up right, I can guarantee the outcome. And you can understand why parents would feel this way. You can understand why parents would... Cling on to that, hang on to that desperately because we want our children to be blessed. We want our children to have full lives of service of Jesus Christ. But that's not a promise. That's a principle. And the principle is this, that basically if you raise your children right, if you train them right, in most situations they are going to not depart from the faith. And so you may be disappointed and say, I wanted a promise, but God didn't give you a promise, He gave you a principle. And I've thought a lot about raising children, and I've prayed for my own children, and I've watched families that had children who, to all intents and purposes, were raised the way they should have been raised, and those children did not turn out right. And then I remember God the Father. And I remember that the entire Old Testament is basically God's lament that His children didn't turn out right. We can't lay this charge at God's feet. He knows how to train up a child in the way He should go. He knows how to raise children. And yet if you look at the children of Israel, oh my goodness, were they rebellious or what? God knows what it's like to have rebellious children. I saw a bumper sticker last week I love my rotten, spoiled children. And I thought, first thing I thought was, i got to take a picture of that. <laughs> so I did, I took a picture of that. Second thing I thought was, who would put that on their car? Third thing I thought was, what does that really mean? And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of... And then I got to wondering if the kids put that on the on the car uh, and didn't tell grandma or grandpa that they put or didn't tell their mom or dad they put it on the car. But I thought about loving, rotten, spoiled children. That's basically what God does. Even when we were enemies, he sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins. God loved us even while we were sinners and we were in rebellion against him. But when you look at this principle of child rearing You need to understand that that's not an ironclad promise. God doesn't work that way. You don't put the prayer in like a vending machine and you get the answer that you want. God doesn't work that way. God cannot be manipulated. God cannot be dumbed down to be in a vending machine. Let me give you another example. Maybe this will help you a little bit more. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. When a person's ways please the Lord... He makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a person's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And then I've got to ask you, was that the case with David? David's ways pleased the Lord. David was singled out to become the king of Israel, anointed by Samuel, played the harp for Saul, slew Goliath. His ways pleased the Lord, and yet here comes Saul. And Saul's going to try to kill him. Multiple times. Saul's going to chase him. For five years, David's going to be on the run. So, is that verse not true? No, that verse is true. But it's not a promise. It's a principle. What about Isaiah? We've just completed a study of Isaiah. Isaiah suffered greatly, and yet he bore the message of the coming Messiah, the suffering servant, and Israel's future glory. Isaiah's ways pleased the Lord, and yet he had terrible enemies. What about Jeremiah? Thrown in a pit because he was faithful to the Lord. As a matter of fact, you could say that these men of God suffered because their ways did please the Lord. So the principle is generally, if your ways please the Lord, you're going to have peace with the people around you. But just because you don't, that doesn't mean that your ways don't please the Lord. It's a principle, it's not a promise. What about Paul? Wrote more than half of the New Testament. What, what about Paul? Did his ways please the Lord? But look at his enemies. He had tons. What about Jesus? I mean, Jesus went to the cross. His enemies nailed him to the cross. Was it because his ways didn't please the Lord? No, his ways did please the Lord. The principle, it's the principle, not the promise. What about this The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. If you fear the Lord, are you guaranteed a long life? No. Generally, though, if you fear the Lord, He will grant you a long life. So that principle is true, but you must look at it in the genre that it is. This is wisdom literature. This is not a promise. And I've got a clincher here for you. Two verses in Proverbs chapter 26. And I want you to listen to these verses. Now listen to them. Proverbs 26 verse 4 says, Don't answer a fool according to his foolishness, or you'll be like him himself. Don't answer a fool according to his his foolishness. Next verse. Answer a fool according to his foolishness, or he'll become wise in his own eyes. You, You see the contradiction between those two principles there? That's because they're principles, not promises. I had a dear brother ask me about this specific passage, these two verses, he said that looks like a contradiction. And if you're looking at Proverbs as promises, that is a contradiction. But that's not the way to read Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of general principles that we can apply to our lives so that we can know the wisdom of God and we can comport ourselves the way He wants us to do. This is a clinching example. This is not a contradiction. This is the context of Sometimes you need to be careful when you're arguing with a fool because people around you might not be able to tell the difference. So that's the first verse. Proverbs 26, 4. Don't answer a fool according to his foolishness. But then there are other times when it is totally appropriate for you to reprimand a fool and say, Stop. You've gone too far, and you stopped him in their foolishness. So please understand that Proverbs are principles, not Proverbs, and not promises. Why Proverbs? Why study Proverbs? Well, if you'll turn to Proverbs chapter 1, Solomon tells us why. Let's read verses 1 through 6. Hear the word of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings. For receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity. For teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Let a wise person learn and increase learning. Let a discerning person obtain guidance. For understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. Do you you like riddles? Do you know that Proverbs is full of riddles? Why study proverbs well Solomon tells us and he wants you to know right off the bat and I want to ask you who wouldn't want wisdom who wouldn't want more understanding who wouldn't if you're inexperienced don't you want to know how to be shrewd in your dealings if you're a wise person don't you want to increase learning one of the things I've noticed about wise people is they never stop learning Solomon says these proverbs I collected them So that the wise could increase their learning. He also said that the discerning person could obtain guidance. We talk about knowing the will of the Lord. Having the discernment to understand what the will of the Lord is. And we wrestle with that sometimes. Especially when it comes to a specific decision or a set of decisions that we need to make. Proverbs were written so that the discerning person can obtain guidance. Why Proverbs? Solomon tells us. So the first thing I want to make sure that we understand is that there's a good reason to study Proverbs. So why Proverbs? Solomon answers that for us. Then I want to talk about three wow Proverbs. There are three wow Proverbs that we're going to hit on early today. Lord willing, there will be several other uh, wow Proverbs as we go through this message series together. But the first wild proverb that I want to talk about is verse 7. Chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord. 19 passages in Proverbs talk about this concept of fear of the Lord. We talked about the fear of the Lord in Sunday school. See, the last week or the week before. And this concept of this reverent awe how we are supposed to see ourselves in relationship to God. And there is really only one posture. It's really more of a posture than it is an emotion. It's really more of how we see ourselves in relationship to God as opposed to how we feel about God, even. Sometimes we associate fear with those feelings of dread, of angst. And that's really not what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is a right understanding of the reality of who He is and who we are. What He's done for us, what we can't do for ourselves. The fear of the Lord. 19 times in Proverbs. Matter of fact, it's not just in Proverbs that this concept of fear of the Lord. In my reading this week, I came across two verses I want to share with you. Proverbs, uh, excuse me, Psalm 33, verse 18. But look... The Lord keeps His eye on those who fear Him. You want the Lord to look out for you? You want the Lord to be thinking about you? Hey, the psalmist says, The Lord keeps His eyes on those who fear Him. Psalm 34, verses 8-9. through Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in Him? You who are His holy ones, fear the Lord. For those who fear Him lack nothing. I hope you're one of His holy ones. If you fear the Lord, here's the principle. You're going to lack nothing. And that's from Psalms. How happy is the person who takes refuge in the Lord? Taste and see that the Lord is good. So this concept of fearing the Lord is throughout the Scriptures and it's 19 times In the book of Proverbs here are just a few of them don't be wise in your own eyes fear the Lord and turn away from evil Proverbs 3 7 true self-awareness is understanding that if you think you're wise you're not you should never be wise in your own eyes you want to be wise in the eyes of the Lord Proverbs 8 to fear the Lord is to hate evil here Solomon equates fearing the Lord with hating evil Proverbs ten twenty seven. here's one of those principles again the fear of the Lord prolongs life but the years of the wicked are cut short Proverbs 14 in the fear of the Lord one has strong confidence and his children have a refuge the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. Proverbs 14, 27. Proverbs 15:16. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with turmoil. The fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches, and humility comes before honor. Oh, I love this one. Proverbs 16:16. 16, 16. Iniquity is atoned for by loyalty and faithfulness. And one turns from evil by the fear of the Lord. Caught in sin? Trapped in sin? That's because you don't fear the Lord. This is the way. This is the way out. Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord leads to life. One will sleep at night without danger. Got insomnia? You worried? Fear the Lord will address that. I love this one. Here's an admonition against the sin of envy. Don't let your heart envy sinners. Instead, always fear the Lord. For then you will have a future and your hope will not be dashed. One last one. Proverbs 29:25. The fear of mankind is a snare. But the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. I love that contrast. The fear of the Lord. Is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the key to a great life. The fear of mankind is a trap. It's a snare. The one who trusts in the Lord is protected. So the first great proverb, I believe, in Proverbs, is Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. If you do not fear the Lord, you cannot move on to great two. Or grade 3. This is grade 1 level. This is first grade level. You must understand where you are in relationship to the Lord. The reality of our fallen sinfulness and His great holiness. So, that's the first wild proverb. The second wild proverb is um, the next page. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Solomon says this, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and don't reject your mother's teaching, for they will be a garland of favor on your head and pendants around your neck. The first wild proverb today is fear the Lord. The second wild proverb is obey your parents. I believe that... Um, Many of you have your parents here in the service today. And uh, you're blessed to have your parents here. And I think about Solomon when he wrote this. um, I believe he was thinking about his father, David. And I think he was thinking about his mother, Bathsheba. And perhaps he was thinking about his son, Rehoboam, who would become king after him. And what he's telling you here is that you need to listen to your mom and dad. I believe this is the second wow proverb, the second great proverb. And uh, I want you to look over at Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 and 10, page 19 in your journal. And I want you to listen to this set of propositions, these conditional if-then statements. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if. If you accept my words. Solomon knows that his son may not accept his words. So he says this. If you accept my words. And store up my commands within you. Listening closely to wisdom. And directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore if you call out to insight. And lift your voice to understanding. If you seek it like silver. And search for it like a hidden treasure. Then. If you pursue wisdom. If you listen to your mom and dad, if you fear the Lord, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Most families that I know are either beach families or mountain families. Some are both. But our family was a beach family. We loved to go down to the beach. And I love seashells. And I have collected seashells all my life. And so the the kids and I and Rhonda would go. And we would walk up and down the beach. And we were always looking looking for a special shell. And we had contests because that's what we did. Um, Shell of the week. I always wondered who was going to win shell of the week. I remember one year we were walking down the beach and the surf was coming in and I saw something bigger than normal tumbling towards the shore and the waves were coming in and bringing it closer and closer and I went over and I picked it up and it was a perfect cockle shell. Just perfect brown and cream colored and it was fully formed. Both uh, the animal was still inside it and That was the Shell of the Week. That was just an awesome discovery. And that was the only one of those I've ever seen my entire life when I've been to the beach. I love the beach and I love seashells. And so we would look. We would look for shells throughout the week. One year, we stayed near where one of the inlets into the Sound was. And they were dredging the Sound with this massive uh, piece of equipment that took the sand and then deposited it up on the beach out of the way. And so there was they were taking the sand out of the bottom of the channel, and they were so the boats could go back and forth, and they were putting the sand up here so they could build the beach the way they wanted. And so we were just looking around and and I I noticed that there was a, a conical area and I knew that they had been pouring the sand out there, and I thought, oh, well, there's there's nothing there. But we kind of went this big conical area, kind of came over the ridge of this little um, sort of like a volcano type. It was the rim of the sand was around me, and we went down into the bottom. And down in the bottom, there were thousands of seashells. And a lot of them were in great shape. There were nautiluses and tiger eyes and olives and cockle shells and, and it was like we had hit the treasure trove. It wasn't shell of the week, it was shell of the minute. We were just We were just going crazy. We had never seen and have never seen anything like that since. It was buried treasure and it was right there for us. To me, Proverbs are like beautiful seashells. Now, if you don't read Proverbs, then you're kind of like us walking up and down the beach and we'll see the occasional beautiful shell. But if you'll dive into the book, if you'll take some time and learn from the smartest man that ever lived, it's like coming over the ridge of that little area and looking down and seeing all those beautiful seashells. That's what the book of Proverbs is. It's all collected there for you. Can you imagine what our reaction would have been if that had been gold? If that had been silver coins from a shipwreck? We'd still be talking about it. We probably would have bought a condo down there if that had happened. But you know what Solomon says? Solomon says wisdom is greater than great riches. Solomon is saying these Proverbs, this wisdom from God... This is so much more valuable to you than all the money that you might ever have. So the second wow proverb, I believe, is hey kids, listen to your mom and dad. First one, fear the Lord. Second one, listen to your mom and dad. And the third one, back to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 10 through 19. Let's go back to that. Proverbs 1, 10 through 19. The third wow proverb is this. Proverbs 1, verse 10, page 16 in your journal. My son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. If they say, come with us, let's set an ambush and kill someone. Let's attack an innocent person just for fun. Let's swallow them alive like Sheol, whole like those who go down to the pit. We'll find all kinds of valuable property and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we'll all share the loot. My son, don't travel that road with them or set foot on their path. Because their feet run toward evil and they hurry to shed blood. I think the third wild proverb is you better watch who you hang with. I know um, we parents are concerned about how our children grow up, but we're also concerned about who they're hanging with. And that's something that you should be concerned about. Solomon said, my son, if sinners entice you, if they say, hey, come, let's go do this, You say no. Third great proverb. And this is a common theme in Proverbs and throughout the Bible too. Evil communications corrupt good manners. So we've talked about why Proverbs. We've talked about three wow Proverbs. Now let's talk about a warning about Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is full of wisdom. And in Proverbs, wisdom is personified in the form of a lady And she calls out, chapter 1, verse 20 says, Wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public squares. Verse 23, If you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and teach my words. So Proverbs is great because wisdom can and should guide you. And the pursuit of wisdom is a good thing. James says in James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask God who gives to all generously and it will be given him, but let him ask in faith without doubt. For he that doubts, is like a wave of the wind, wave of the sea, tossed with the wind and driven. So it's good to ask for wisdom. We should seek wisdom. But here's the warning. <coughs> wisdom won't save you. It'll lead you to the Savior, but wisdom will not save you. True wisdom always points to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Be careful that you do not seek wisdom for its own sake. True wisdom always points to Jesus. So don't be fooled into thinking that wisdom will save you and guarantee you a good life. And if you need a great object lesson, all you got to do is look at Solomon. Now, Proverbs is awesome. Read Ecclesiastes and find out what happened when he turned away from the Lord in the latter part of his life. His wisdom did not save him. His great knowledge, his great uh, insight and understanding could not save him from a heart of sin. So that's the warning. The average person spends four hours a day on their phone. Four hours a day. More than half of those hours are spent on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, or Snapchat. Four hours a day. Last night, I thought, I'm going to see how long it takes me to read one chapter in Proverbs. I'm going to look for the longest chapter. I believe it may be Proverbs 16. I'm going to look for the longest chapter and I'm going to get my stopwatch out and I'm going to time how long does it take me to read Proverbs 16, one of the longest chapters. And I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to read it at a measured pace. I'm going to savor it. And I'm not going to rush it. And I'm just going to do what I would call an average pace of reading Proverbs 16. So I set the timer, and then I began. And I read through Proverbs 16. And to me, it seemed like a long time. And then I got to the end, and I, I looked at the stopwatch, and it said two minutes. Maybe I read a little bit faster than you. I don't know. Maybe it's going to take you three minutes. But four hours is 240 minutes. The average person in America spends 240 minutes a day on their phone. Half of that on social media. Can you give three minutes? Could you read a proverb a day? Could you listen to Solomon and what the Lord has to say? Is that a big thing? It's really not much of a challenge. But you've got a purpose in your heart to do it, and then do it and see what the Lord does.